Sounds like most of you did not really know Greg Gravitt, but he was an excellent gospel preacher and was a joy to be around. feel blessed to be able to know him. Reminds me a lot of Paul, uh, just his just a fun person to be around. He's an adventure junkie, uh, loved motorcycles, uh, loved running, very active, but also very godly at the same time. He knew how to play, but he knew how to uh, be serious as well. And uh, I'm thinking about his wife and his family that and the churches that he has worked with I don't know, just some of that is, the one thought that has occurred to me is he preached his last sermon. And I I think about that. Of all the people that he has touched, uh, I'm trying to think about that and apply it to myself, that it could be, we never know this could be my last chance to encourage you. This could be my last chance to ask you to be right with God. Or if you're right with God, to, to remain faithful. We, we don't know. Uh, we don't know when the last time we may be able to speak to our spouse. I'm thinking about his wife. Melina worked with him and with uh, his wife uh, at, at uh, one of the boys' camps that uh, I'm involved with. Uh, it, it may be hard for you to understand what happens at these if you're not there. But I, having been there to see the lives that are touched, some of these boys, their lives and direction that they're headed... Some of their home life is not always what it ought to be. But these times of serving these boys are maybe the one thing out of their year where they get a little bit of a a, a break from some of the uh, struggles they're dealing with at home. And it may be one chance to uh, encourage them and set the tone for their life when they go back home. I've seen numerous occasions where Greg is working tirelessly uh, praying with some young man or over in some corner uh, sitting down, open up a Bible passage with them, uh, giving of his time there. Uh, I just think about those kinds of people and, and people like his wife who are who are there serving uh, uh we have people like that among us who are serving, and I, I appreciate those times. Uh, forgive me if I'm struggling with my words a little bit, but uh, we're in Second Corinthians chapter 11. Paul has been talking about some of the criticisms that he had received as a preacher. It's an awkward conversation because Paul doesn't like talking about himself. He doesn't like speaking about his own credibility. 
He doesn't like drawing attention to himself. He's not a man who boasts about his accomplishments. Yet, he talks about boasting a little bit, but the way that he uses that word is not really a boast when you think about it. It's the things that he chooses... These false teachers, these Judaizing teachers, were self-aggrandizing. They were self-promoting. They were doing it for their own benefit. Paul's not serving for those reasons. Paul's serving people because he loves people. He's not doing all of the things that he's doing for himself. You tell me what benefit Paul is getting to that is for himself in the, in the choices he is making and the things that he is suffering through. And he even asked him this question when he did not take money from the church in Corinth, I, I suppose there were some who were even criticizing that. But Paul says, do I do this because I don't love you? God knows the answer to that question. It's interesting how that sometimes what Paul is experiencing is, is that the very people that he is serving, loving, sacrificing for, and yet, it's like they still don't understand him and they're criticizing his apostleship. I, I would imagine that would have to be infuriating. It would have to be uh, a blow to Paul to serve people who are still questioning him in this way. And yet, Paul doesn't want to address the accusations towards himself, but it, it's like he has to in order to be heard, not in order to make a name for himself. It's, that's not it. He's doing it because he wants the gospel to do its work. But with some people, sometimes you have to address the elephant in the room in order to be able to, to make the message of God what it ought to be. And so that's what Paul is doing here in 2 Corinthians. So notice with me, he had dealt with how, that, how they were transforming themselves in the, into the apostles of light. They, they appear as if they're righteous. It's a disguise. Paul's not disguised. He's genuine. He's right there. Maybe he's not flashy like others. Some were saying... Uh, it, it appears that they were uh, criticizing him because of his letters, verse 10, that his presence is weak but his, and his speech is contemptible, so they're criticizing his presentation somehow. But he's, he's letting them know, but the things that he's saying are from God and he has something to teach. So maybe he's not using theatrics. Maybe he's not using the types of uh, outward uh, kind of uh, things that uh, orators in Corinth were wanting and craving because Paul's not trying to... Have you ever noticed this when, when a preacher does things like that? What, what you end up doing is you end up going away saying, wow, look at him and his ability and his, and his presentation. Paul's not doing that. Paul wants people to be wowed with the message of God. He wants them to go away seeing... 
And so he's not, he's not using flashy rhetoric. He's not using those kinds of things because he wants the glory to be on God. And so that's why he's not comparing himself with others. That's why he's not falling to their, the others' tactics. But then he, he basically has to say, look, if, if you really want to talk about boasting, and he's using this kind of tongue-in-cheek, and he says, well, let's talk about boasting, if you will. Let's, let's deal with that uh, some. In, in 2 Corinthians 11, notice verse... 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool, receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. So he's recognizing that this is not really the way that he wants to speak. This is not the kinds of things... It's not... It's silly. It's foolish. It's, it's ridiculous to have to campaign for yourself in order to be able to be heard. But people sometimes, they like these credentials and credibility before they hear what's being said. Really, it doesn't matter as much the credentials of, of, a, of a man speaking but more about whether that message is from God. But notice he says, verse 17, that which I speak, is, he's letting you know it's not really what God wants. But verse 18, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For you suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. He keeps saying this over and over and over again, I'm speaking foolishly. I'm speaking foolishly. He's letting you know this isn't really the type of uh, argument that I really want to make. So when, when he's about to explain the things he's going to brag about, it's not really a brag. What these others would do is they would, they would probably brag about their accomplishments, brag about what they've done, brag about how good they are, brag about themselves... Whereas Paul, what he chooses to say, well, if you really want to brag, if I'm going to brag, let me, well, let me brag a little bit. Here's the bragging. Is let me tell you about the things I've suffered. Let me tell you about my weaknesses. Let me tell you about those things which I doubt that they would have thought that that is really something fully to brag about. But what reason why Paul is doing it, 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 it's even uncomfortable for him to talk about the things that he's given up, the things that he suffered, because he really doesn't like doing that. But I suppose when he says in verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. 
Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Well, there are some, I'm, when, they, when they're saying that they are Hebrews, it appears that, you know, Paul talks about this in some of the other letters, how some cared about their pedigree, genealogies. He, he spoke to Timothy and Titus about this sort of thing. Endless genealogies, that, that's foolish. To try to state your lineage, to state your, your name, your, you know, what line you came from, as if that must make you better in some way. That's, that's foolishness. But there were some, obviously, who did that. But he's saying, if you really want to go down that road, well, look, I could do that too. I don't think he's saying he, he wants to do that. He's just saying, if you want to play that game, I would really win. But I don't like that game. Um, there are things that people care about that they really shouldn't care about. There are things that men care about that God doesn't really care about. Jesus is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, who your, who your lineage was, what, you, what all your things are that you want to boast about. This is why Jeremiah said, don't let the man who brags about his riches brag about those things. Don't let the man who has this education brag about his wisdom. The things you ought to really boast about is if you know me, if you know God. This is why in the first letter Paul said, I'm not going to boast except about Jesus and Him crucified. That's the only thing that I can really brag about is that He loved me and He died for me and He gave Himself for me. That's what I'm going to brag about. I'm going to brag about what God has done for me, not all the things that I've done to draw attention to myself. We need to be more like Paul on this. We need to be more about trying to please God instead of impressing other people. But Paul says if you really want to talk about bragging, well, this is what I'm going to brag about. In labors more abundant, verse 23, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. We do think about the things that Paul endured. 
It's, it's kind of like what he's doing is, I couldn't help but think of the verse in, in Proverbs 26, Answer not a, a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. But answer a fool according to his folly, uh, so that uh, he doesn't become wise in his own conceits. I, I feel like Paul is kind of doing that here. Uh, I don't think he's doing all of this so that he's trying to make people come away saying, wow, look at Paul. I think what he's trying to do is say, look, why do you think I do the things that I do? I'm doing it because I love you. I'm doing it because I care about the cause of Christ. But if I really want to brag about something, it's what the Lord has done for me. Well, and, and look at what I am having to deal with is is more to show them his genuine care and concern for them. Not because he's trying to make a name for himself. Really, in, in all of that, you tell me, what really is the benefit outwardly in the way people think of it? What, what, where's the benefit in any of that to Paul? You know, there's sometimes there are, I, I hear people of the world, if, if you talk about certain things, that they... they I don't know, they, they tend to have this eye of suspicion. They think, ah, he's probably doing that for some ulterior motive, or he's doing that for... You know, that, that's silly. That's foolish. You can't, you can't do the things that Paul was doing because you wanted money. You can't do what Paul was doing because you were trying to make a name for yourself. Whenever there were people who put the bark on him, and they and they they're not even going to eat uh, until he's dead, and they make a pact with himself. I, I don't think Paul was doing it for any worldly reason. He was doing it because he believed in the cause. He was doing it because he cared about souls, and he was willing to risk his life. He was willing to risk his well-being. I don't know, I, I think about this and I think about how good we have it. And I think about a lot of the blessings that we enjoy. We, we were singing about counting our blessings. When you think about the blessings we have, uh, I, I don't think any of us really understand the kinds of sufferings and difficulties that Paul was dealing with continually. We might have, you know, one little thing that goes wrong and we're complaining thinking well, uh, the world's about to end we're, 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 we're so woe is me over little tiny things compared to the kinds of things Paul was dealing with I, I, I don't even know what it would feel like to be constantly threatened with your life always looking over your shoulder wondering who's going to attack me who's going to throw me in jail who's going to come after me in the middle of the night uh, I, you know, when he talks about some of these beatings, we we can read about some of them in Acts nineteen. I mean sixteen. We can read about how Paul was uh, shamefully treated in Philippi. Why? Because he cast a demon out of a woman, and because of that, they have stripes. Well, think about those stripes whenever their hands and feet were in the stocks. And then think about how when the jailer, they're, they're, they're con they end up converting the jailer, but the jailer, you know what he does? He washes their stripes. 
So it tells me a little bit about that kind of beating. If he has to wash where they beat him, that means they brought blood. That means they left marks. That means those must have really stung so much to the point that now even the jailer has compassion on them that he wants to tend to their wounds. Well, I know that they were praying. I know that they were singing. I know that they were praising God. They were still trying to do the right thing. Even, even to people who were treating them this way. It also tells me sometimes when we're mistreated, we, wanna, we want to uh, be on God's end of things. And we want to repay people for what they've done to us. Paul didn't do that in any of these circumstances. Do you know what he continued to do? He continued to love. He continued to care about souls and reach out to, to people. He even saved the people involved in putting him in the jail. That, to me, that leaves us a great example. It also leaves me an example that uh, when he was stoned in Acts 14, we know he, uh, there's a uh, speaking of that when he was in Lystra, we know that there were times where they, they left him for dead. Okay? To throw rocks at a person's head until they die. And then they left him there thinking he was dead. But by the mercy of God, Paul's able to get back up and... and, and I don't know. If, if, if people did that, I don't know, one rock, two rocks, three rocks, upside my head, and then... Uh, get up, would I say, you know, maybe I need to tone down. Maybe I need to back off on some of these subjects that are making people so upset. Maybe I need to, uh, maybe, maybe I, I need to not do that as much. How, I think of how many times, you know, sometimes preachers might even be discouraged and think, I, maybe I need to quit preaching. Well, for, what causes some preachers to maybe want to quit might not be very much. But here's Paul. You know, he's back at it again. He gets back up, does it again. Gets back up, does it again. Over and over and over again. Well, why does he do all of that? Because he kept believes in this message. He believes in the message so much that he's going to tell it one more time to sometimes people who don't want to hear it, even to the point they want to shut him up. They want to, they want to make him dead so that he can't speak this anymore. Well, so he goes back and does it again, tries one more time. Well, these are the kinds of things that he says he's going to brag about. Um, when he talks about... Uh, back up just, just a tad. When he says, you tolerate these people who are actually wanting to enslave you. They're actually, these, these false teachers were actually abusing them. They were making merchandise. That's what a false teacher does. A false teacher wants to enslave you to their way of thinking. They want to enslave, because they want some kind of control. They've got some kind of sick ulterior motive that's perverted. So that what they want to do is, it, then you're just a casualty in their war. They don't really care about you. But what he's saying is, you're putting up with them. You're, you're tolerating them. When, when it, he says, if a man devour you, bring you into bondage, if he smites you on the face, you're putting up with them. What, 
what you need to stop and think is, is, well, why don't you listen to the message of the person who's willing to go through that for you? I think that's his point whenever he talks about it. If you, you, you tolerate and you suffer and you put up with these other people, but they're not very tolerant of, the, of, of an apostle who is sacrificing for them. Isn't that the way it can be if we're not careful? We can spend more time criticizing each other over how you're do, going about doing it rather than helping and jumping in and, and working together. Uh, being on the same team, uh, let's attack the right thing. Let's make sure what we're doing is attacking the false teaching and attack the false ideas, not the ones who are teaching you the truth. Let's help them. Let's be helpers of that. And, that, and that, I think that's what Paul is dealing with in Second Corinthians. And so when he says, I, I went through these things... I've dealt with false brethren. I've, I don't know. When he talks about work, perils of robbers, worrying about, okay, he goes on this trip. He's got to be able to get to this step, next stop. He's got to get to this next place in order to be able to preach the gospel to them. Well, if somebody comes along and takes away the money, well, how's he going to get on, uh, on the next ship? How's he going to be able to get to the next town if he's needing to get where he needs to be? Uh but he has to uh, be concerned about that. He has to be concerned uh, about the ability to be able to reach people. Then he also talks about being a, a night and a day in the deep. I don't know. I, I think what he may be talking about is some of the shipwrecks that he endured. He, he, he mentions these shipwrecks, but if you take the account when Corinthians was written... It appears he's not even taking account the, the, the shipwreck in Acts 27. I think that would have came later. So there's more shipwrecks after he wrote this. But he mentions them. I, I don't know what that would feel like to be on a ship in the middle of the ocean, and there you are. And I, I suppose that if he's hanging on to, for dear life onto some wreckage of the ship you know, find some piece of wood and you just hang there. And he's talking about being a night and a day in the deep. I don't know, would that be pretty scary? You're just out there in the middle? Well, one time, uh, I went to the ocean. I got on a book, like a boogie board type thing, floated out there a little too far. When I say a little too far, it felt far to me. But, you know, I could still see the land. That's not in the deep. But I can remember, I got out a little far and I thought, I took a big gulp. I was like, oh, I got too far. I need to get back. But I don't know what it would feel like to be out in the deep, way out there. You got, you know, what's underneath there? You know, uh, that would have to be terrifying. Or in the middle of the night. Total darkness out in the middle of the ocean. Pretty terrifying. What, what keeps this man going? Then he talks about going through hunger, thirst, fastings, cold and nakedness, sleepless nights, times where he's given up his sleep. Wouldn't there come a time where you would say, you know what, this is getting old. This is, uh, I kind of want this to be done. But yet, 
there's something that's driving this man. There's some, that has to be love for people of why he would do that. I think whenever I look at this, I, I think we need to be willing to risk more. I think we need to be willing. Sometimes there are things that scare us that you know doesn't really hold a candle to that. But we need people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and do things that are uncomfortable, do things that are unchallenging, go places and talk to people that make us, you know, it's challenging, makes us nervous. Our knees are knocking. Our hands are sweaty. And we're, we're a little bit afraid and timid, you know, in order to do certain things. I think there are times where we need to take that first step, get out of our comfort zone and open our mouth and try to, try to ask people about the gospel and ask them if they're willing to hear it. Uh, it is interesting. David's challenge just one little challenge of just talking to a waiter. And how many of us were like, ah, I can't do that. That's, that's, this is really, that, that's just too much. But here's Paul. He's going out here. He, he's risking a whole lot more than simply asking a waiter, would you like me to pray for you? Whether you decide to do it that way or some other way, but stepping out of your comfort zone, I, I think Paul leaves a pretty good example here. Leaves a really good example that we need to do what we can and risk more. We need people. Who are willing. Now, some people do it in different ways, and that's okay. Not everybody has to travel from city to city like Paul. I don't think that was Paul's point. Not, not everybody needs to be single like Paul. Paul's risking in a lot of But he's made these choices himself. But where in this do we, do you and I, are, are there people who say, you know what, what about me? What about me? What, what kinds of things am I willing to do for the cause of Christ? What kinds of things am I willing to risk? Well, it's interesting that Paul, I, th I think what he's trying to do is get them to think about these kinds of things for the cause of Christ, not about the outward accolades that the false teachers were dealing with. So then, when he talks about this, though, verse 28, there's the mental part. We talked about physical sufferings that he went through, but what about the mental part where he cares about the churches? Rest assured, we new elders are feeling a little bit of a, a, a burden, a, a little bit of an overwhelming nature that we have an awesome responsibility to care for a flock. That's why we want to come and visit with you individually to get to know how to serve you better, to know your needs. But uh, we ask for patience in how we try to do that because in some, some ways we feel like, uh, you know, we're human and we could be stumbling trying to figure out what, what's the best way to go about doing those things. But... That's a, that's a load that we're going to have to answer for. And we care about how to do this, but we want to do it right. Not for ourselves, but for God. And we want God to be pleased with us. We want you to go to heaven. That's the, that's the main goal. We want you to be faithful. We want you to grow. We want you to be all that you, 
can be. All for the glory of God. We want us to be unified. We want us to grow together. But we recognize that sometimes in our best efforts, we sometimes neglect things and we fall short and we need to make certain corrections. Uh, None of us are perfect. But thinking about sometimes there are brethren who, who we might worry that could be vulnerable to drift. There might be some who... Uh, we, we, we worry about it in other ways. Uh, but th- Paul is talking about that. I'm just thinking about that load in one congregation, but Paul, he has a load of many congregations that he think, he's thinking about. A lot of brethren all over that, that he's concerned with. And so that's a, that's a big uh, thing that's weighing heavy on his heart. And so he says in verse 29, Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? What kind of a brag is that? He's bragging about his weakness. And he's also going to talk about that in the next chapter. But he says in verse 30, If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. I really think this is a antithesis of the type of bragging that the false teachers were doing. That he's bragging about his weaknesses, not about the things that... And so that people can see that these false teachers and what they're after and what Paul is after are entirely different. And hopefully an honest mind can look at the, look at the both, look at the, look at the two, and say, okay, I, I noticed the difference. A discerning mind would be able to tell. And so he says in verse 31, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Artus, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Uh, I heard something recently where one person said that there was some kind of a militia in that time who had some kind of a thing where it, it, was a, uh, it was an exercise to see who was the first up the wall. And then there's a, uh, making a point that maybe perhaps what Paul is doing is he's, he's talking about the opposite. Paul was the first down a wall. And so it's a little bit opposite of the kind of uh, thing that some people would have looked up to. It's very much like when Jesus said, He that is greatest among you will be your servant. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The way up is down. The, the things to brag about in the kingdom of God are not about us and self-glorifying, but they're about our weaknesses in order to glorify God and our need for Him. So it's a, a bit opposite. The way things work in the spiritual kingdom are not the way they work in the physical. And so we need to get out of the earthly way of thinking and we think more spiritually like Paul is. There is an occasion in the book of Acts when Paul had to be let down in a basket down a wall. Not because he was a coward. There are times to escape 
live to fight another day so you can preach to more people. It's not always wrong to avoid a conflict. There were times where Paul avoided... and He wasn't looking to just like purposely say, hey, here, take my life. But there were other times where if it came down to it, okay, well, here it is. So there's a time and purpose for both. Are we more like Paul? Are we so afraid to speak up for the Lord? Are we so afraid to take certain tiny risks because we're afraid of the ramifications? Or are we seeing that we should be a little bit more like Paul on, on the willingness to do and work and suffer wherever it's necessary? Uh, it's really a... Uh, a self-check whenever we read things like this. To try to ask ourselves, how genuine are we really? Where are our priorities? What is our main goal in life? And what is yours? What, what is it really that you want to accomplish in the time you have remaining in your life? What's the most important thing if it's not to please God in the best way possible, to, to go to heaven and be with Him if you believe that He's the Lord and you believe He died for your sins, then why wouldn't you be willing to change your life? Turn around. Stop serving yourself. Stop trying to please everybody else. That's a, that's a waste of time. But please God. Make the confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Don't worry about what other people are going to think about you when you say that. Don't be embarrassed of Him. Be baptized. It, 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 it's water. You get a little wet. How easy is that? But if you understand that when you're buried in water, you're contacting the death of Christ and His blood, you're washing away your sins... That's not a hard command to obey. Then why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that today? And if you have done that, think about what's most important to you. And think about how you're going to live. And if you need to make correction, this is what we're here for, to help you, pray with you, whatever your need is. Won't you come while we stand as we stand?